Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, you're listening to the Squiggly Careers Podcast, and I'm Helen, one of your hosts. Today, I'm not going to be joined by Sarah. Instead, I'm going to be talking to Sophie Devonshire and Ben Renshaw all about how you can find your focus and love your work. Their new book, Love Work, is a really brilliant, practical read. There's lots in there. I love the bit around values because values is such a big part of what we do in our work with Amazing If. And so I loved reading the book. I took a lot away from it. And this conversation was an opportunity for me to talk and dive a bit deeper into the book and share it with you, but really to help you find your focus on the work that you love so that you can be at your best. So I think anything that we can do to find focus with the work that we do and love it as much as possible, accepting that there's always good days and bad days and highs and lows, but anything that we can do that is in our control to help us to enjoy those days as much as possible, I think is time well spent. And Sophie and Ben's work is really, really useful to help us work out what that looks like for us. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation as part of our Find Your Focus series of the conversations that Sarah had with Emma Gannon on disconnection and also Johan Hari around focus and attention, also part of this series as well. But yeah, we'd love your feedback on it, everybody. You can always email us. We're just Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com. But now on to the conversation. So in terms of how we talk about this now, I thought we would take your 3D model, which will become clear to everyone that is listening, and sort of break apart each stage, sort of dive in into each of the Ds and really help people to understand how they can find their focus and the practical action they can take to love work. And so for summary, maybe Ben, would you mind just summarising what the three Ds are and then we'll dive into the first one? Sure, no, love to, Helen. Thank you and, and really appreciate the context. I think before starting, Sophie and I, we actually resonate massively, you know, with your approach, in particular this idea around building capability. I think when you're looking at something like love work and look, we are romantics and we love love and you know, <laughs> rela- your relationship with work is obviously a very, very significant one. We spend approximately 90,000 hours of our life working, but we are pragmatists. So we recognize that this is not about being in love, feeling in love every moment. But what we do absolutely endorse is the idea of building capability And we break that down just like yourselves in terms of what's the right mindset, skill set and tools that help 
you love work on a more consistent basis. So I think if we start with that as the idea that for all listeners here, it's not that we're expecting, and everybody will be in different stages, you know, some people obviously with the last couple of years, they'll be in a place of just recovering from work, others will be kind of seeking new opportunities, people may be transitioning into new stages. So I think wherever you are, our experiences, you can always become better. So I think with that in mind, if we look at, you know, love work in terms of, as you say, kind of these three Ds and in terms of bringing those to life and what they are. So, you know, first stage is discovery. So actually, what does it mean to really love work? Secondly, then is develop. So how do you bring that to life and make that happen? And thirdly, in terms of the delivery is making that really meaningful and matter for you on a more consistent basis. So let's start with discovery then, which I thought is the hardest place to start. Like it's a really important place to start. But when I looked at some of the things that you talk about, like finding your fuel and opening your mind, I was like, wow, we're really getting to the why behind the work in the very first stage of this model. And that's not easy. And so how can people practically get started with, for example, finding your fuel? That's one of the things that you talk about. How can you find your fuel and discover what's important to you about the work that you do? What can people do to practically get started with such a big area? And then you're absolutely right. It is kind of the real biggie. And, and what our experience is a lot of people, for that reason, haven't had the right support or given it the time. Everything that we suggest, it's simple but not easy. Yeah. So in terms of finding your why, I think there's two key elements to that. One is your energy and secondly is meaning. So if you kind of bear that in mind and really three steps to help with that. So number one, when you're looking at finding your fuel is what energizes you. Where do you really get your energy from? And what de-energizes you? So I think that's a critical element because I think in terms of loving your work, actually, if you are fueled by that, that really helps. So that would be a piece of exploration. And then secondly is about meaning. What matters? What's really meaningful for you? So I think that's an inquiry. And the best way into it is to reflect and look back at activities and times and experiences that you've had where you've either been energized or not, where you've really had that experience of, look, this is meaningful, even if it's tough and you're up against a huge adversity, it's got meaning for you, which pulls you through. And then you ask yourself, why? <laughs> why? Why was that important for you? What was significant about it? What you'll then find is some themes and you want to kind of make those themes. I'll give you a very quick example. Coaching actually a lawyer at the moment Amazing guy, does massive deals, but he describes his work as the grind. And it's like he approaches each day and it's the grind. And he uses that language. And we've been able to kind of break that down and then actually really find out what energises him. And actually, number one is intellectual curiosity. So he gets really fired up by the challenge and the complexity of the deals he does. And number two is adding value. To make meaning for him is actually adding value for clients. So we keep that top of mind. And why? Because actually that enables him to feel that he's really making a difference, which is his why. So we would suggest energy, meaning, reflect back, find out the big themes and then crystallize that. And it's an iterative process. As you begin to test it and challenge that and look at that in your work, it will begin to make sense for you. It reminds me a little bit actually when you talk about the grind and that that person probably didn't even realise they were describing work like that and you almost had to be a mirror to their language for them to realise it. And I had a point in my career where I was 
having a conversation with a coach actually and I remember I sat there and they were like how I hadn't caught with them for a little while and they were like how's it going Helen and I sat there and I punched my hands I like and I didn't even know I was doing it but I was going yeah it's great I'm really moving forward we're pushing things on and they stopped me in my tracks and they were like what's this punching thing that you're doing to yourself and I was like wow I've started to role model some of the slightly aggressive behaviours that I was witnessing at work. And it really started to make me question about, well, that wasn't my why. I just tried to fit in around here and sort of adopted someone else's why and was actually being quite inauthentic. But I guess the realisation for me was that somebody else had to be a mirror to my behaviour in order for me to get that insight. And that sounds like what happened in that situation with that person. And Sophie, I wondered whether, as you've been reflecting on finding your fuel and maybe unlocking your code in terms of your values have there been any other people in your career that have helped you to get to that insight about yourself or has it all just been a personal journey of of discovery it's always a mix of both for all of us I think isn't it because ultimately working out your relationship with work and learning how to love work is about you but it's also not just about you to have thinking partners, mirrors, accountability partners, other people around to reflect with you is incredibly valuable to help you unlock your code and work out how you work. I really like the idea and the articulation of it as unlocking your code, looking at your values, looking at your frameworks and trying to understand, because it is so hard to do this bit, this discovery bit, as you say. I think it was back in 1750 that Benjamin Franklin talked about the fact there are three extremely hard things steel, diamonds, and learning to know oneself. Mm. And it is so difficult. So the idea of doing it alone feels tough, right? The reason we refer to the idea of unlocking your code and the reason why that helps me is because I think understanding your values, understanding how to be authentically you and how, how you work is one of those things which is a classic case of in a super busy, super fast world, slowing down always then helps you speed up. So taking time to work out your code and your values and unlocking it allows you to move faster and further, but also in the right direction, you know, with velocity, not just moving fast, but making sure it's in the right direction. And yes, I mean, for me, there have been moments when having other people help me with my squiggly career and working out which direction to go in has been absolutely invaluable. I actually took some time a few years ago to really work out my own code, my framework, my values with the help of a coach and some friends and took the time to do it. And it's painful to slow down to do that, which is why using things like frameworks and models can help. But we talk about love and the idea of work, and it is in part a provocation, the title of our book, because we know that it can't all be romps and roses like any relationship, but that I also know that for me personally, I've had times when I've been passionately, deeply, madly in love with my work, and other times when I felt trapped and in a toxic relationship. And so much of that is down to values, your code. So like a genetic code, that set of rules which translate the information to bring something into life, or a computer code which helps processing. The love work code, the understanding your values and your framework, can absolutely give you that filter and those values to make sure that when you go into something new or when you reshape your current role you're doing it in a way which fits relationships marriages when they talk about and analyze why often they work it's because there's shared values 
So it makes it that bit easier to go into a team or to go into an organisation and make sure there is that alignment of values so that you, if you're not a person who punches your hand, <laughs> then you're not necessarily in a place where you're, you're hand punching. Yeah, yeah, I came to that decision too. <laughs> um, and then just in terms of discovery, do you think you're ever done with that phase? Because I know because of the way the model works, is kind of you move on from discovery into the next phase, which is about develop. And I'm just intrigued as to whether we kind of, we discover and we're done or whether we never really fully move on from that. I mean, look, in my experience, it's ongoing and it's very iterative. And I, I think that we... We go through chapters and certainly all the people and leaders that I coach and support, you can absolutely see the chapters as they evolve. And so I think one thing I've really observed and and absolutely support people I work with is if you keep that discovery mindset, because in a way that's what it is. We're talking about a mindset that is fueled by lifelong learning. And therefore, again, whatever stage you're at and however tough and harder is, you'll learn. You'll become a better, stronger version of you. Certainly in my own experience of time, I mean, like the last couple of years, I mean, when the pandemic hit, coaching wasn't exactly the number one thing for organisations to continue to, to invest in because they're in crisis, they're in survival mode. And so that actually then became a catalyst for me for my next level of discovery, which took me to Sophie, and going, great, I want more partnership. I want to collaborate more deeply. I want to challenge my own thinking more. What better person to work with than Sophie? Because if you want somebody to challenge your thinking, look no further. (laughs) Uh, It's good to hear that that's how you're still feeling about it. I think this is really important because, yes, the discovery process, that treasure hunt is really valuable to do and go into it to help us shape things. But... It's like in relationships, that idea that, you know, there's a happy ending that's happy ever after, that it stops with marriage or it stops with finding a match. People change, relationships change, you will continue to change. Part of what drives so many people is continued learning. The practice and the development of all. What I'm really enjoying at the moment is conversations with people who are actually relatively advanced in their career, who are still rediscovering things. You know, there's... um, guy I was talking to this week who is 72 and just about to start a startup. Um, someone else this week was talking about how they've, they're at a moment having had two very intense years where they're going through the great reflection, the great re-evaluation that a lot of people are going through. And he was talking about how he was choosing what next, absolutely based around his purpose, his incredibly clear values, which he could articulate um, beautifully, sensibly, and the energy he had for the next period of his life, for making it matter, for for really thinking it through and continuing to develop, definitely never over. I mean, that's like saying relationships stop when you've met somebody. It needs to be kept alive. And I think the what I feel good about with the book that I know is helping people is that there are some very practical, tangible ways there to help with the discovery with values. For example, you know, we talk about using values journal or using a values partner who can mirror things perhaps, or values cards. There are ways in which you can move faster through the discovery period. But actually what I hope we're doing with this book is talking about the fact that this is fundamentally a, a choice for people. The mindset piece is there's a choice. You can believe that it is possible to love work more often, 
to flourish, to thrive rather than just survive and getting through it, to get something more out of it. But that does require work. It isn't just about what your work and your employer does. It does require you to keep discovering, to keep developing and to keep the belief that you can do more and enjoy it more. And I agree. And I think, you know, when you talked about lifelong learning, Ben, I think that work is just an amazing place to learn about yourself. Like it's sort of lifelong self-learning about your interactions and what you find hard and what you find enjoyable. So I'm with you. It's sort of, I think it's really good to have a foundation of knowledge to unlock your code, but then to keep, I think about like career data for your development and so to keep accumulating that data because it never really stops and we shouldn't stop learning either. Um, So let's go on to stage two then. So this is all about developing and this builds on that point about capability that you mentioned as well. And you talk about how we can keep us developing and this 4p model as a way that we can do that i love alliteration that's why i love the 3ds and now we've got four p's can you talk us through how the 4p model can help people think about their capability and and really support them with their development yeah and again look i think what we find is look, these are all really big topics so therefore the ability to kind of break them down and simplify and all of us and whatever stage you are we can all develop our capability And we are huge advocates and fans of continuous improvement. We love the work of James Clear and Atomic Habits and this idea of just 1% better, 1% better, 1% better every day. And that's a very, very powerful concept. So I think for people listening, we would absolutely be encouraging you to break it down. And so you really, really go subject to your context situation where you are. What are the one or two things that are going to help? So the first P is around principles. And this is very much about how do you make decisions? Where are you coming from? I think once you've found a little bit more of your code and what matters to you, what's the criteria by then you make those trade-offs? I'll give you a quick example. Working with somebody who's just experienced two real setbacks in their career. So they've been wanting to get onto an executive committee. They've been overlooked twice in the last three years. And obviously that kind of experience, you're right on the verge of just quitting and walking away and going, I'm done. Now, they are a very, very valued member of the organisation. They've been there a long time. So we've had to go right back to their principles and their decision-making criteria to enable them to come through. So they've actually, out of that, they've used their kind of sense of purpose, which they describe as the art of the possible. And then the second P is around people. So then you're looking at actually how can you then engage and inspire and work with others in order to really get your energy and and build upon that. So this individual, then actually, they have tremendous leadership capability. And so what they're actually taking is a bigger role in the organisation through that disappointment, they're translating that and going, well, actually, I'm going to invest in others. (laughs) And I'm actually going to kind of put that discretionary effort there. The third P is process, which is all about delivery and drive for results. This individual, they are hugely driven, massive appetite, but actually what they need to do is be able to deliver through others more. So again, they're using this setback and this opportunity to go, actually, how can I lift up, build a better, high-performing team, engage in others more? And the fourth P is around profit and that real commercial lens that you have. So again, for this one individual, they're actually really focusing on how they can they build their commercial acumen. They're looking at more in terms of data and digitalization and the next kind of wave and generation to become better equipped. So taking a setback 
and actually using the four P's, principles, people, process and profit to really challenge themselves to come out better and stronger. Yeah, it's so interesting. We've just put a podcast out about dealing with disappointment because basically whilst on, on the surface, January looked quite shiny for Sarah and I, there were quite a few disappointments behind the scenes. And so we sort of turned that into something that hopefully is helpful to other people, but was quite cathartic for us. But I think the power of taking a setback and using those four Ps to help you to think about, well, how do I use this as an opportunity for growth, as an opportunity for my development is a really you know, we talk about people owning their development. I think that's a very positive outcome from something that might have felt very difficult at the time. And Helen, you talked about that. How do we protect our focus on things that matter to us? And I do think there is the uh, emotional distraction of when there's been disappointment, things going on. But I also, we all know that at the moment for so many people, there is this pandemic of overwhelmitis. You know, there are so many different things. And for most of us, there are also some amazing choices to be made. And having spent the time thinking about what really matters and, and looking at the P's and creating something that gives you that clarity just helps that decision making because you can't say yes to everything. I mean, mm. best bit of advice I was ever given a few years ago when someone said to me, darling, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Trying to work out what you're choosing to do and talking about it as choices. I think there's definitely a, a language piece here which helps once you've defined what matters and, how, and where you want to be and what you want to do, that helps you say, I want to, rather than I need to all the time. And something so different in that. The way in which you're talking about it is, is more, more love language again. Mm. And it actually, just on the language of love, it does remind me, when I was reading this particular part of the book, it reminded me a little bit of Angela Duckworth's work around grit and her definition of grit about being sort of passion and perseverance for long-term meaningful goals. And I think that the idea of love being about passion and perseverance, I think, is sort of quite an interesting connection that I made when I was reading it. The two go in tandem, don't they? <laughs> Moving swiftly on to delivery. So our final stage right at the top um, of the 3D model is all about this idea of delivery. And this is where, when I was reading the book, what I took away from was that you wanted people to think about what is the impact that they want from their work? What's perhaps the legacy that they want to leave or the difference that they want to make? Again, as Penn said, quite big topics but you do that that's the thing I love about the book is that you make it really practical and then I think in here the thing that I really hooked on to was um, you had these seven meaning statements which I thought oh this is a really good place to start with something that might feel challenging and then you talk about the four lenses of meaning that people could look through and I wondered if we could just bring that to life for people because I find that particularly useful when it is such a kind of a big topic that might seem a bit vague for people that made it very practical and real for me. Brilliant. Well, it's really good to hear that because that's the intention of what we wanted to do here, which was take these big, seemingly difficult topics and break them down. But I think also for both Ben and I, one of the things we've definitely discovered across our careers and all the work we do is that sharing stories from other people, finding shortcuts for people and accelerators through ideas from elsewhere does help make things a little easier. So as you say, those statements we've got in there to help start people off because once you've got something else to work with it it helps speed things up but also sharing the stories of some of the people we interviewed for the book and spoke to and Ben's done a lot of work with Graham Alexander who's the founder of the Alexander Partnership and his help in this was really useful for us so he talks about how important it is when you're leading people or your manager of team to actually help your teams and the people you work with really discover 
what they love and how to love what they do a little bit more. And that starts, of course, with that self-understanding and, and to help direct them. There's four great lenses to look at around that. And some of us are more driven by one than others. So there's an honest conversation to be had with your teams and with people to understand that. So they are the intrinsic reward, extrinsic reward, relationships and world. Four big lenses. So for some people, the intrinsic reward is really, really important. The primary motivations connected with how you feel inside. Do you feel valued? Are you enjoying what you do? Are you gaining satisfaction from your work? There is something in, inside you that is really, really important. For others, extrinsic is much more important. Being honest about does the title matter? Does how your friends are seeing you, the dinner party conversation matter? Do you want status, fame, recognition and remuneration? Different people are driven by different parts for this. For some of us, relationships are critical. Does being part of a team and collaboration matter? And I've certainly worked with people who've felt that they wanted to be entrepreneurs and startup founders, but actually really miss the team or those who've become consultants. And actually relationships can be a, a real driver for people in what work means to them. And then lastly, we talk, of course, about purpose and we think that that fuels you. But understanding how your work fits with the world, for some people, even more important, a lens here to look at, is your primary motivation linked with helping create a better world? Does the meaningful work you do that makes a tangible difference to others? It's pretty important for an awful lot of people. For some, that's a, a massive driver and absolutely critical. But spending a bit of time talking through and thinking through with the people you work with or doing it yourself to understand how you articulate intrinsic reward, which what really matters. Do you feel valued? Do you want to enjoy what you do? For me, enjoying my work is absolutely critical. It's an important part of it. Extrinsic reward relationships and the impact you have on the world if you can work with people to help them understand how they can love what they do more often then it doesn't have to be about everybody throwing it all in and going to do a completely different career you can actually recraft and reshape your current relationship with work and I think as leaders and managers actually helping people understand that that if they're going through a moment when they feel stuck or it's a, a bumpy patch in their relationship with work, getting to their intrinsic drivers and understanding what matters to them from a sense of meaning can really help unlock a better flourishing in their current roles that it may not have to jump ship. I agree. And we, we talk about in um, You Coach You this, the importance of combining two things in tandem, like self-awareness and action. And I think that these sorts of lenses help you to do both. Like, so you could consider these on your own. I think it is really powerful if you can talk about with other people, but just understanding non-judgmentally which of these things is meaningful and motivating to me and specifically what does it look like you know to your point if someone's motivated by status and salary then fine let's be honest about that but let's have a conversation about what that could look like here I think um you know and people when self-judgment creeps in and I might think oh well Sophie and Ben will think I'm bad for saying that you know I really want to be really senior whatever it is I think non-judgmental conversations where people have a high level of self-awareness and are supported to take action I think that's how we help everybody love work and you know start to have more open conversations and not make people feel like they have to conform to one particular way of working or one definition of what it means to love your work yeah and that's ultimately what diversity is inside an organization it is allowing people to be themselves and and respecting the fact they're different you know joking around the fact that they're different it's like Going back to dating and relationships again, you know, we don't all like have the same taste. 
And that's completely fine and good because then that makes things the work and actually the better you you can have different teams and you can have different people in different teams working together. So it is good to celebrate the differences, but it does require honesty from people. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Thank you so much for listening to this. I really hope that you scribbled lots of notes down and you've got some ideas of things that you can do and take away from listening today. If you do have feedback on the series, let us know. We're Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com. It's lovely to hear from you. And if you found it useful, please do rate, review, subscribe to the podcast so that we can reach more people and help more people with their squiggly career. Bye for now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 